grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. The scripture for our message this morning, the first lesson we read, Acts 20, verses 28 through 32. Dear friends in Christ, it was around Halloween about three years ago, I discovered something I never realized before, that religious costumes are very, very popular. I was scanning through a big online catalog and I saw priest costumes and nun costumes, monk costumes and rabbi costumes, even Amish people costumes. And conspicuously missing was a pastor costume. Now, in part, that's probably because we don't have any specific distinctive look. Some of us wear vestments, some don't. Some pastors wear a clerical collar and some are in untucked shirt and jeans. Some, there's no special hat, no distinctive beard that sets us apart. If you saw me out mowing my lawn one day, I just look like any old sweaty guy. So if we have trouble picturing a pastor, how would we describe one? Well, often we refer to a pastor as a minister. And that's a great Bible term. It means worker or servant. The only problem is that in the Bible, minister is sort of a generic term. So the Bible can use that term ministry to refer to Martha's ministry of preparing a meal for Jesus when she should have been sitting with her sister Mary listening to Jesus' word. The word ministry is used to describe the offering that the Greek congregations gathered to help out their starving fellow Christians in Jerusalem. There was a ministry of taking care of widows done by the deacons in the Jerusalem congregation and also a ministry of the word carried on by the apostles. So certainly a pastor ministers to you with the word and the sacrament, but not every minister is a pastor. And then we get to our own special wells confusion about pastors. We call them called workers, but you realize like I do that every single Christian has a calling from God to serve the Lord in exactly the spot where he has placed you. So every one of us has a calling and probably many callings, right? We have a calling as a parent or a child or a spouse, a calling as an employer or an employee, a calling as a citizen, a neighbor, a friend. And some folks have a calling as pastor. So what exactly is the call of a pastor and what is that ministry? We're going to let the Lord answer that question, as he did through the Apostle Paul, who was giving his last words to the pastors of the Christian church at Ephesus. He said, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock 
of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. It is no coincidence that we call a pastor a pastor. It's the Latin word for shepherd. And it's also no coincidence that we are reading this scripture on Good Shepherd Sunday. From Old Testament times, the Lord has described his people as a flock and his leaders as shepherds. So just think of a true shepherd, David, who fought the bear and the wolf and the lion to defend his flock, whom the Lord called a man after his own heart and appointed as leader and king and shepherd of his entire nation of Israel. And then, our Lord Jesus. He's the one who intensified and glorified that picture. He is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. So your pastor's job is to shepherd that flock of Jesus for whom he laid down his life that flock about which Paul said was bought with his own blood, telling you exactly how valuable, how important you all are to the Lord himself. But you realize we still remain a flock of sheep? And that is not a flattering picture. Nowhere in the scripture does the Lord ever describe a flock that leads or feeds or defends itself. And that's because all of us, every single one of us, has in us, until we die, a sinful nature that's simply hostile to God. We don't want God's mercy. We don't want God's guidance. As much as I love Jesus as my Savior, my sinful nature does not understand the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And ironically, because we too are sheep, our Lord has to say to pastors, keep watch over yourselves. I've got a sinful nature that is just as healthy as yours. And that's the same sinful nature Paul described when he wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5. And if you want to read a brutal description, just look at the description of that sinful nature in Galatians 5. That nature in me wants to make idols, false gods. And those false gods often can be Popularity, good looks, always being right. That sinful nature can be poisonously jealous of the gifts that God gives to others and doesn't seem to have given to me. This is the nature that can look very, very calm and wise and reasonable 
And then Paul says it lets go with drunkenness and outbursts of anger and useless disputes. In fact, both Jeremiah and the Apostle Paul describe our sinful nature as being unbelievably deceptive. And according to the Apostle John, the worst deception of all is when we claim to be without sin. And you realize that's why it is that our church body spends a great deal of time and effort and money to train pastors who are able to apply the word of God correctly both to themselves and also to their flock. And I have to confess, this is why over 38 years, I really found myself preaching to myself more than I want to admit. This is why I found myself speaking in the first person so often, because I realize I'm a hungry, wandering sheep who needs Jesus as my good shepherd. And so as the Lord calls pastors to keep watch over themselves, he specifically tells them to be on guard for his flock on earth because there are ferocious wolves who distort the truth. We all know the leader of that pack of ferocious animals. It's Satan himself who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But most of the time, we don't see his fierce fangs. Because his most powerful weapon is distorting the truth. You know what that's like? You know what a half-truth is? He's not denying the truth. He's twisting the truth. He's using a little bit of truth to hook us in. And his goal is not to make us bad people. His goal is to make us people who are disconnected from the good shepherd, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And you know what that simple, how that simple distortion works? Satan convinces us that the general rule here in this world, there's no free lunch, has got to apply in spiritual things. And so there's got to be something that God wants from me other than just simply trusting in Jesus to make me acceptable to him. There's no free lunch, right? Or he takes a lovely spiritual truth, a scriptural truth, like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and gets us looking at everyone else's sins. Especially the sins we don't commit. I always love it. One of my favorite props, he wrote, Why is it that we often reckon the sins we don't commit as more serious than the ones we do? It's deception. And his goal and the goal of our sinful nature in every believer, remember Paul said, uh, these false, these wolves will arise in your midst, in yourself. The goal is, of course, to make us underrate and disregard our good shepherd 
who loved us so much that he bought us with his own blood and freed us forever from our sins, brought us into his flock both now and eternally. And so to keep watch and guard you from distortion of God's truth, your shepherd needs to know and speak God's truth. And often he's going to get a little negative. It's important to be able to tell people, not that, but this. And that's why it is that your shepherd does the often underrated and unnoticed task of thoroughly studying God's word. So he knows the truth, so he can proclaim it clearly. And your pastor, your shepherd, does this because the flock is not Pastor Sim's flock. It's not Pastor Johannes's flock. It's the Good Shepherd's flock. It's that important. And we think, I've got to go on today. Got to stop here a second. And speak a little bit from the freedom I enjoy in retirement. Looking back at my ministry, being a pastor, something that happens to us is because in a large congregation like Emmanuel here, there are many, many ministries. Ministries from your Lutheran elementary school to the altar guilds ministry, from the ministry of your called workers and your elected leaders to the humble ministry of the shut-in who cares for her family and prays for you. And sometimes when we have so many ministries, we can get really myopic and tunnel-visioned about our own ministry. And forget that your pastor has to be shepherd of the whole flock. And I've heard it. Why wasn't pastor at the B-team basketball game? Doesn't he support the ministry of our school? Pastor didn't visit Uncle Jack in the hospital on Tuesday, but I saw him in his office talking to somebody else. If pastor just did this or just did that, then our congregation would grow. And here's where we get back to the best description of a pastor's call. Your pastor and all your pastors have had a call into the public ministry. Now realize that everything your pastor does, every Christian could do. Proclaiming God's word. Guiding you in worship. Baptizing. Celebrating Lord's Supper. But not every Christian has the ability or the training or the wisdom or the qualifications to do that publicly on behalf of this flock. You've called your shepherd to feed and lead you publicly on your behalf, but not instead of you, right? And it would be foolish to assume that one pastor could do the ministry of 900 Christians. Because every single one of you is called to proclaim God's word. Even to Uncle Jack, who's sick in the hospital, right? 
And you might be tempted to think right now, with all these people serving, maybe the pastor's sort of like the congregation CEO, the one who keeps everything running, the one who has to make sure this is administrated correctly. But you know what? Jesus and the Bible still only use that term shepherd. And God has been using it for thousands of years. For as long as his people have gathered, he's called us all a flock. And he's called our leaders shepherds. That means simply to feed the flock with God's saving word and sacraments. It means simply to defend the flock from those who would distort the truth, from those distortions that come so naturally to our own heads and our own hearts. That means to lead the flock, to always keep following and keep trusting the Good Shepherd. That's why we need to know. The Good Shepherd, and we need to know shepherds as well. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.